You're listening to Fly By Night, a podcast by FedEx Pilots for FedEx Pilots. Brought to you by the FedEx Master Executive Council of the Airline Pilots Association. And now, here's your host, MEC Communications Chair, Captain Chris Lee. My guest today is Scope Committee Chair, Captain Sal Infante. Thanks for coming, Sal. Hey, Chris. Thanks for having me. You were recently confirmed as the Scope Committee Chair by the MEC. Talk to the pilots some about your background before FedEx and what you've been doing since you've been at FedEx. Uh, yeah, so I, uh, my background is civilian. I was at the regional in the post-9-11 uh, world. I spent uh, seven years at ExpressJet from uh, early 2005 till uh, late 2011. And after that, I was at Atlas, Atlas Air for four years. And I was hired at FedEx in August of 2015. Talk to the pilots about your previous union experience. Uh, so I started volunteering for the Teamsters when I was at Atlas. Um, I helped them out on the P2P committee, the pilot pilot committee, as well as the payroll committee. Once I got hired at FedEx, I was recruited by uh, Randy Brockwell in 2016 to help out in the scope committee when I uh, moved to uh, Cologne. Since then, I served uh, in the scope committee since 2016. While I was in Cologne, I also served as a secretary of treasurer for the LEC 123 and later as a vice chairman of the LEC. Uh, during my term as, uh, in the LEC 123, I was still involved with the scope committee. Later in 2021, when I moved back from Cologne, I assisted with the ALPA COVID-19 safety working group, um, while at the same time, I was uh, volunteering for the scope committee. Well, Sal, let's talk some about what your committee's been up to and this education campaign you're working on. Uh, sure, Chris. Uh, first, I'd like to uh, thank Captain Randy Brockwell, the former uh, scope committee chair, for all the hard work that he's done on behalf of the FedEx ALPA and the scope committee. Since stepping down as a chair, he continues to remain on the committee as an advisor for the time being. We also have added uh, two new members to our team, First Officer David Greco, who has a background in data and analysis, and uh, First Officer Luis Quiroz, who has experience in both pilot training and communication. After the rejected TA, we receive a lot of input from concerned pilots and we have identified additional subject matter experts to help us capture and discuss the best ideas from within our diverse pilot group. Assisting with this are uh, First Officer Dan Silva, First Officer Jeff Curry, and uh, First Officer Alex Unruh. Talk to the pilot some about the roles and responsibilities of the scope committee. Uh, sure, Chris. Apart from the committee's primary role, which is to ensure and enforce compliance with Section 1 of the CBA, much of our day-to-day -day work boils down to keeping pilots informed and answering pilot-generated questions. In addition, we meet with the company quarterly, as described in Section 1B9. We discuss the previous three bid periods and any upcoming wet leasing or scope-related concerns and fleet acquisition plans. The scope committee receives a lot of darts, and it's important for pilots to continue to send those in when they see something out on the line that might not look right. What types of darts have you been receiving lately? So recently, most of our darts uh, come after the company public announces network changes or future plans in response to the current downturn in volumes. In addition, we get quite a few darts from pilots who see FedEx cans being loaded on offline passenger and cargo aircraft throughout the system. Every data point is helpful. This information allows us to keep track and engage the company on freight movements that we otherwise would not receive through a normal reporting mechanism. At the end of the day, I think most pilots want to simply be seen as partners in FedEx future. Unfortunately, some of the company's recent actions and public announcements have caused a lot of angst and uncertainty in the crew force. I think transparency and additional open communication will help alleviate a lot of our pilots' concerns. 
That being said, every time we get a dart, we're able to ask the company for information, which in turn helps us paint a better picture of how freight moves outside what we see in our bit packs and purple tail flying network. How is the company able to move FedEx freight on other carriers in the first place? It all comes down to Section 1B4 of our contract. Even though most of these movements are commonly referred to as belly freight, it's more than just FedEx cans and parcels loaded into a cargo hold of a passenger airliner. Our contract allows the company to move freight internationally using passenger airliners or dedicated freighters under a few different terms. Two of these terms are block space agreement or part charters. It is important to know that this section applies to international markets, which are outside the continuous U.S. Within the domestic system, those kinds of agreements are allowed when it's necessary to expedite or when economically necessary, or unless it's agreed by both parties. These one before terms are not specifically defined in the CBA, but some are explained in a 1998 letter from the then Vice President of Labor Relations, Don Maleniak. This letter will be available on the scope section of the FedEx Alpha website. This letter describes what interlining, co-loading, and co-sharing are. Well, let's first start with interlining. Can you talk to the pilots about what that means? Sure, Chris. Uh, interlining is simply putting FedEx freight on a scheduled passenger or cargo aircraft. This is probably the most visible example of belly freight, and we often get darts when a pilot sees a, a can being loaded, a FedEx can being loaded on a passenger carrier. And what about co-loading? Co-loading is another arrangement which allows FedEx to move an unspecified amount of freight on another aircraft. These contracts have no set payload limits and depend on space available. This is different than block space agreement where FedEx commits to the purchase of a set amount of capacity from another carrier. In a block space agreement, FedEx must manage its volume based on contractual capacity limits. And finally, what does code sharing mean? Co-sharing is not that different from a passenger airline where a customer might purchase a ticket on a mainland carrier, but the flight is actually operated by an international partner. FedEx can do this as well in certain markets by providing service using another carrier. What other types of concerns from pilots has the scope committee received? A perfect example of several darts that we received during peak when pilots saw a Caleta 747 in the south cargo ramp with FedEx cans and FedEx loaders. We verified that this was postal service freight and a postal service contracted charter for peak. The cargo was being moved to our hubs by the postal service for later distribution, but the charter was not contracted by FedEx and therefore not subject to wetlist penalty payments. Well, since you mentioned Wetley's penalty payments, can you talk about how they're calculated? Sure. The CBA 2015 allows the company to engage in wetleases under specific uh, circumstances. Generally speaking, wetleases are flights that are operated by other airlines at the request of and for the benefits of FedEx. The company is allowed a limited number of penalty-free wetleases, and anything over that is subjected to one or more penalties, which then are paid to the association and later distributed to the pilots. The CBA has three separate wetlist penalties, as outlined in Section 1B6, in paragraph A, B, and C. Paragraph 1B6 and 1B6A and 1B6B penalties are calculated on credit hour basis, while 1B6C penalties are calculated based on the block hour multiplier. I'd also like to point out that the CBA wetlist penalty payments are not mutually exclusive, and a wetlist may qualify for more than one penalty method simultaneously, at which point the penalties will be added together. Once the company sends over the penalty calculations for the wet leases performed, it is our job to verify the accuracy of those calculations before forwarding to the MEC for an ultimate approval and a distribution to the pilots. Well, recently there have been a lot of questions about the rejected TA and its potential impact on the Section 1 penalties. 
Do you have any information that would help the pilots better understand this? Uh, before I answer that, I would like to emphasize that because the TA was rejected, this discussion is purely hypothetical. During the 2023 TA ratification, the negotiating committee acknowledged that the penalty payments would be lower under the new language. That being said, in every scenario we analyzed, we confirmed this was the case. In some years, the difference was more significant than others. As we move forward with negotiation, it is up to the membership to guide the MEC and the negotiating committee as to whether we want to focus our efforts in maximizing penalties or bargain for language that provides increased job protections and career progression. Well, Sal, thanks for coming. Are there any other updates you'd like to share with the pilots at this time? Uh, yes, Chris. With the MEC chair's assistance, we recently reached out to the IPA, which is the UPS Pilots Union, to identify common areas of concerns as well as to learn about the benefits of their scope language and their bargaining history. We intend to use this relationship to educate and make informed decisions and to provide recommendations to the MEC. Well, thanks again for coming, Sal. And thanks for listening. If you have any questions, please go to our website, fdx.alpa.org, and utilize the DART link. And as always, be safe out there, and we'll see you next time.